Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's week number two in our review of our favourite filmic flops. This week's flop, 2012's John Carter. Joining me to review John Carter, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Sarah Curtis. Hey. It's been a while, Sarah. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. It has been rather a long time. Mm. Uh, can we get a PhD update? Beep, 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 beep. Where, where are you at? Uh, yeah, I'm technically a doctor. <gasps> what? Hey. It finally happened. Quick, celebrate, everyone. <laughs> Congratulations, Sarah. Thanks. So you're officially now uh, Dr. Sarah Curtis. Almost. Almost, almost officially. officially. Well, you know what? You are podcast official. So, uh, so well- I must be really official then. <laughs> yeah, so welcome, Dr. Sarah. You've not seen John Carter. I have not. So what do you know about it? That's what I know about it. The- I know that it exists. Okay. Um, I, I've heard many poor things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep imagining dinosaurs. Are there dinosaurs? Uh Kind of. Cool. Because I I seem to recall, like, in my head, I have the vision of a poster of some guy who I'm assuming is John Carter and, like, I don't know, dinosaurs or some shit in the background. Um, So, you know, and I just know that it's terrible. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this. Cool. Well, joining us as our guest who has seen the film, uh, his door says he's a doctor. It's Jason (laughs) Doley. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Uh, You are Dr. Jason Doley on your office, despite not having qualifications. Is that true? He's a fraud. I refuse to confirm or deny. (laughs) Um, My office is also very hard to find. So even if that is the case, nobody will find it. That's true. Um, Yeah. No. So I am the person who has seen John Carter. Mm. I... I saw this film in 2013, mm-hmm. and I did enjoy it. Okay, I like it. I'm I'm actually a bit of a. It's for those who don't know, it's based off an Edgar Wright Burroughs series of books, who also did Tarzan, mm. um, and is kind of a contemporary of Arthur Conan Doyle and those kind of serialized way of sharing books. Mm. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's based on what's called the Barsoom series of books. Mm. Um, which is a word we're going to hear a lot in this. Looking forward um, to it. It's it's interesting because Sarah's such a literary person. I thought she might have heard of any of the John Carter or Barsoom I've books. I've heard of nothing. No? Like, this is all fresh news to me. There so you go. It's yeah, because a lot of people say, like, you know, if you say, oh, what's your favourite science fiction thing that's influenced you? Like, normal people say Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Not science fiction. Um,. Yeah. Yes. Look, I've had this debate with people a lot. Yeah. Well, with, these are normal people. Yeah. These yeah. are normal people. Normal Sarah. people who aren't doing their degrees in genre and literature. It's, it's Star nerdy, Wars. Is science nerdy fiction. people will say. Um, nerdy people will probably say Dune. Mm-hmm. Even nerdier people will say Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm. So. Is now the time to admit that I've never read Dune? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that works. Are we Are we all admitting that? Yes, <laughs> okay. we are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have seen it. None I've of us. I've seen the Sting version. Yeah. Well, there's a new one coming out um, mm. by, uh, what is it, Denise mm. uh, Villeneuve? Yes. Yeah, that looks good. That's got an amazing cast. But this mm. had a, has a really good cast as well. Yeah, and uh, the, the John Carter series is cited by lots of people as being influential to things like Star Wars yeah. and the Dune series and, and things yeah. of that nature. So it's... Um, it's certainly in terms of the original text, they're quite important. But this this film version just did not make money. No, it didn't. It didn't. And it's got so much going for it. Mm. It's directed by Andrew Stanton, who I bet you one of his films is probably in almost everybody listening's top ten. Mm-hmm. He did Up. He mm-hmm. did Finding Nemo. And he's had a hand in basically every other Pixar, I think. He also did Wally. He did Wally as yeah. well. I was going to say, because Andrew Stanton and Pete Doctor are kind of the two guys... Mm. for that so yeah yeah um well i also haven't seen john carter so uh i'm looking forward to watching it shall we get into it let's go okay for those of you listening at home pop in your dvds and prepare to say ko to the jadara of basoom as we prepare to watch john carter Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching John Carter. And by we, I, of course, mean Jason. Hey. And Dr. Sarah Curtis. Yeah. So, uh, Sarah, this was your first time watching John Carter. What did you think? <laughs> I'm not even sure yet. Look, I, I don't know what I just <laughs> saw. Um, I'm going to... May I suggest what you saw? <laughs> Please go ahead. You saw a movie that had ambitions and just didn't quite reach them because mm. that's that's how i feel couldn't jump high enough which <laughs> yeah. is ironic <laughs> uh, yeah it aimed ironic. for the stars yeah it's it, it it's been really interesting uh, it, for, for myself having obviously gone through Waterworld last week mm. and then watching this film as well um in in the context of watching them as flops this film feels like it's definitely a bit of a stinker but for entirely different reasons um mm. i i think there's I think John Carter is just generally quite a an averagely made film, mm. and it sort of it just feels so very very mediocre. Um, when in in a sense it maybe doesn't need to. That's that's kind of the impression that I yeah, got. Yeah, I think it is. It's um, I think what it has is it has what a lot of films tend to have in kind of the modern produced system where it's. If we don't think it's going to be weird enough to be good, we'll just make it normal enough to be average. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of um, things like, oh, just to come think of things like Fantastic Four, the latest one, the 2015 one. Yeah. it You know, studio involvement comes on board because they think, well, we can either make this average mm. or we can take a risk it'll be good or take a risk it'll be worse. Yeah. And they'll always settle for average because they want to make their money back. They don't want to mm. push the theatrics or the the art essentially yeah i i mean the, one of the things that we, as we were talking about whilst watching this film uh, that really came across is how much it felt like about 20 other films um it did feel as though it was it was sort of borrowing from other films like the mummy and from mm. the lord of the rings series and from the star wars prequels but it was borrowing sort of elements from those films without making it their own it, it very very little of this in felt, a way yeah i can yeah. see there are some bits where you decide oh this is 
this is that that yeah and you just point and say it's kind of feels like that and yeah it, and it never stops making you yeah it never gets rid of that taste yeah, and not only does it not get rid of that taste it just at no point did i feel anything was like ah this is identifiably john carter this is identifiably this text mm. um it really did just feel like it was a a hodgepodge of the 15 years of cinema before it and yeah. it kind of just came out a bit bland i guess so like a, a bricolage film just a little bit of everything yeah i mean look the the plot such that it was is obviously based off a book that at the time of release had, had just turned 100 mm. so you know it's an early 20th century text and i think one of the things you said jason while we we're watching it that really came across is you could really tell that this came from something that was originally a serialized publication well that was a question i was about to ask mm. was it something that was published a chapter at a time as a serial yes. in like a magazine yeah. or something i believe it was i'm almost certain it was, that's how it felt there was yeah. there was definitely serialized it's... versions of of the text during its because it, it went through quite a long publication run it was over the course of I think 30 years that all the... Because ver- there's about 10 or 11 books Yeah, there's, in the 11, there's 11 books. We just saw what is essentially the first one, which is called A Princess of Mars. Am I correct? Is she pregnant? Is he about to go meet his 10-year-old he child? does have kids, but I don't know... I know he has kids and grandkids because I saw yeah. a family tree during my research. <laughs> but I don't know if uh, specifically uh, he knocks her up on the wedding night. So I mean, considering the Victorian-esque feel to everything, mm. I bet they did. Possibly, yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, John Carter. He's a he's a Civil War soldier. Yeah, um, confederate. Confederate. As well. Yeah, which I was kind of like, eh, okay, no, okay. That's fair. Well, I think at that point in time, you could just pick a side, and if it wanted to make him seem like more like he didn't belong, then mm. maybe make him confederate. But potentially, but essentially, he's you know you'd, he, you'd never make it with a confederate like he well confederate character this at, at this point in time. I'd say. Oh, you, if we had a modern day uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs knocking yeah. around. Um, well, I mean, like I'm just thinking of other like films, like Cold Mountain does yeah. have a Confederate character, but he's sitting there just going, "Oh, the Confederacy sucks." Mm. So, yeah, potentially, I think you could have still, if someone was writing it today, you would probably have somebody who is going, "The Confederacy sucks." Mm. And to be honest, he was kind of John Carter, kind of had that opinion yeah, anyway. He yeah. was like, "I'm not fighting in your wars." Yeah, I don't, I don't care about human. Stuck. I don't care about you know white people. I don't care about Native Americans. I just, just, just. Everybody. I care about Every- me and my gold. Yeah, his spider gold. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, and so he he has a run in with some uh, Union soldiers, including uh, General Brian Cranston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, I really struggled picking up the names of characters in this film, so I've just kind of stuck with uh, the actor names. So yeah, mm. uh, General Brian Cranston. Uh, they go to the Spider Gold Cave. Yeah. Uh, one of the bold Mark Strong lookalikes attacks yeah, him, um, and what, not not Tarks. That's um, the the Therns. Therns, yeah. Therns, yes. Yeah, the Thern baby Therns. They and then he yeah. um, gets teleported to Mars or Barsoom. Um, and then he finds some giant grasshoppers. One of them's voiced by Willem Dafoe. Yep. It's um, the it, Tharks. The Tharks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. House Thark finds him, and <laughs> they. Yeah. yeah, and I'll be honest, the bit. The bit of the film that focused on the Tharks, that first bit, was probably the best bit of the film for yeah, me. Yeah, that was my favourite part of the film. Mm. It actually felt like it was all the same story. Like, the other bits felt, because they were so all over the place, serialised, they felt like they were from other stories, so they were very disparate. And then that bit at least felt like it belonged to itself. And I think also when you're just sitting there just going, all right, it's people with the same technology disliking other people, and you have to, like, it's reds and blues. Yeah. Mm. When you get to the actual... What do they call themselves? The Red Men, 
the hel- heliums and yeah, the blue uh, ones. heliums yeah, and the he- walking he- cities. The heliums were the blue ones. The uh, his dark, well, not his dark materials. The uh, his mortal engine. His mortal engine. That's the Zedangas. 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 Yeah. Um, look, the names are very silly, yeah, and I, that, that, only... that, that bit feels very early twentieth century. I think for, for people, it's a bit like Game of Thrones. Mm. You, you only recognize some of the names because you hear them so much. Yeah, like Game of Thrones. Especially, I asked some people from like around season four-ish of Game of Thrones, and the names of characters they can list are just the ones that get talked about a lot. Yeah. So everyone knows who Rob Stark and who Tywin Lannister is. Yeah, and they can... and that's it. We know who like we know Deja Taurus, Deja Vu, and we know Taras Tarkas. See, I, I I don't know that. Tars Tarkas is um, it, that's it, Willem Dafoe. He's Willem Dafoe. Right. See, I was calling him because he was Tars Tarkas. Yeah. yeah, I was calling him Willem Dafoe, and I was calling her Princess Jasmine because that's basically who she was. Was yeah. I don't want to marry him, father, <laughs> and then Mance Raider, just to make Mance your point Raider, from yes. Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> The guy who played King Mance Raider, the wall. yeah, is there going? No, we have to because uh, other. I've, I've just I can't be bothered fighting this war anymore. Basically, yeah, I, it, it does feel as though they. The, to be honest, this this should because of its serialized nature. I think could actually have made a pretty decent HBO style series. Mm. Mm, be a good TV I, show. It, it probably will in the end. Mm. They, they're obviously that. gathering, like trying trying to look for things to kind of fill that void at the moment. Yeah. So far, everyone's just throwing Neil Gaiman at it and seeing what sticks. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of Neil Gaiman there out is. there at the moment. And yeah, you know, something like this or something from around that era, so like the Professor Challenger books by yeah. um, by um, Sherlock Holmes guy, uh, Arthur, Arthur Conan Doyle, Doyle, could could work quite well. Like mm. um, that that sort of era, I think can work. Uh, yeah. I, ju- I just I just ultimately think that this film. I think a big problem that this film has is the fact that it was a first-time live-action director. Yeah, it's Andrew Stanton. Yeah, and obviously, you know, his his stuff with Pixar we talked about before is really good. Mm. But this was his first time doing something that's live-action, and it it just didn't work. Well, I've got to admit, the acting got better. Like, the first ten minutes, something they're going, wow, they're acting. I, I don't think it got better. I think you just got used to it. <laughs> you just got used to it? Yeah, it, like, direct- like the Martian the- gravity. You just 50, got used 50, to the weird jumps. One or the other. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, and like the the camera work was interesting at times. Yeah, it wasn't. When, when things right. got when things got faker, it acted more real. Yeah, in a yeah. way, but that, I guess that probably leads to it. Like when they have to start going more into computers to show everything mm. digitally. Yeah, it gets better. Yeah, there were some good actors in this. Like Mark Strong does a perf- Mark, uh, Mark Strong is amazing. Yeah, he's a strong actor. Yeah. He is, and you know he does like that was uh, like average Marvel film level bad guy which mm. you know I know Marvel films don't always have the best baddies yeah. but that was a good serviceable bad guy you know kind of menacing yep does the shape he's still, and thing. he's still so just off like he talks about almost being a god and it's like okay cool so there's something weird about him as well yeah or yeah. being near godlike. yeah and so he was good uh, I thought Willem Dafoe's um, voice acting was, was pretty strong um, but ultimately I didn't like John Carter. I think that was a big problem. With yeah, him. that's yeah. Taylor Kitsch. Yeah, um, he's never picked a really good film. Mm. Um, he's done other. He's done almost everything that could fit onto your list of flops. He was in X Men Wolverine. Mm-hmm. He was. It was Gambit. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. His Gambit in X Men Wolverine. He was um, uh, in Battleship. He was John Battleship. I don't Sorry, know. I've the, not watched I was going to say, there's a guy called John Battleship. <laughs> I wish there was. It would have made it a better John film. Battleship of Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Sailing um, into cinemas soon. But like, for, like he isn't a... I think he picks his... Maybe, or he gets picked for the wrong things mm. in a lot of ways. But I, I think, yeah, like... Yeah. Could you imagine this film being probably better received were it 
Hugh Jackman as John Carter. See, I wouldn't buy him. I, to be honest, we were discussing it again because of the similarities to The Mummy. It had, the, had this film hmm. been during Brendan Fraser's like golden period of the late nineties, I think he, I think he <laughs> Brendan could... Fraser's golden period was the Mummy and the Mummy Returns and George, George of the, of the Jungle. Jungle. Yeah, sorry, just for the ladies out there. Ooh, um, but <laughs> yeah, um, he like. But I actually, I actually think had you put someone who's got you know that sort of charisma like a Brendan Fraser in there, I still don't know what how much of of that would have come through because I do feel as though that he wasn't directed particularly well. well. Also, think... the character is a bit shit. Like, mm. he goes on about, oh, I'm not fighting no war, and he's punching his way out of everything. There's a bit where he's just literally stabbing hundreds of, like, tank tharks. Yeah, yeah. he's having a Battle of the Bastards moment in yeah. a really ridiculous sort of way as yeah. he, like, stabs his way through everything. But he hates yeah. war. Mm, he really hates well, war. And I think it, had they had they done it now, mm. like, your, who was your favourite character again? It was, it was Willem Dafoe's character. Um, I I don't know if it was my favorite, but I liked I like as yeah. in like I liked the fact that Willem Dafoe was actually doing some good acting. It, yeah. could, it could just be that that but stood out also, in the film. Yeah, I think well, I think what it is is like Marvel gets a lot of flack for being very like the characters are always funny and always cracking jokes and things like that. Yeah, and that character does that as well. You know, mm. like you know, in a not very funny film, they were jerks. Yeah, well, no, yeah, he, he makes all the, the jokes back of his about head. like slaps the back of his head. He keeps yeah. saying things, and then like you know, there's a punchline to what he says. He's like, yeah. "Do it," and then it's it's silly and it's funny, and that's I think what you'd probably almost need a John Carter to have been a bit mm. more as well to make him more likable. Yeah, he's just thoroughly unlikable. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't say it's just that he's unlikable. I'd say it's more just that there is, there is like an absence of personality. Yeah. Because mm. all of his all of his lines and all of his stuff was just real tropey. Big dumb brute. Kind big of dumb stuff. brute action hero kind of characters. You know all the, you know he doesn't quite say then I'll see you in hell, but he says words to that effect. He says see down the river. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Their their version of hell. Yeah. Yeah. He basically says that. You know he does all the. I ain't, I ain't got time to bleed blue or whatever yeah. whatever it is that's happening. Like he he he's kind of just <laughs> he's just unfortunately I think that Taylor Kitsch who I think is like physically right for the role mm. and does a good job in all the, you know, running around and swinging the sword and all that business. I just think that he's quite an unlikable lead. I sort of feel as though similarly um, the character of Deja Vu or whatever her name was. Deja Taurus. Yeah. Is Taurus? Very, Taurus. Yeah. She's just the, the female lead from The Mummy. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got a very early 2000s feel to how it's They're approaching women. They're trying to make her a strong female character and here's the problem with those sorts of strong female characters hmm. there is one of her she is a scientist she is a warrior she is a princess she is sexy she can cry she can fall over and trip into the hero's arms while thirsting over him yeah. and doesn't really do much mm. yeah except get married yeah except be, well this is obviously when you look at the, the source material mm. it is like you know it is from 19 what 1912 11, was, the, was the first one, so yeah. So it's, it's it's very much based on the culture at the time, yeah. and that's kind of what they were. And hell, it was even up to arguably mid-2000s or something like that before we saw not heavy change, but more consistent change in these kind of characters. Yeah. Y to being much, well, and I'd say we're probably not even there completely yet, but mm. we're, we're seeing a bit more of a shift away from just... The character, like love interests, always being important. Yeah, yeah, and and like um, you look at, you know, there there aren't very many examples of that. You probably look at somebody like 
Ellen Ripley and Alien and mm. the Alien films generally is independent uh, and and sort of driving plot forward by her actions, not because they're being dictated by some other character who is the protagonist. Yeah, or being being the driving force for another character. Yeah. It's her, she is the thing to get to. Um, Literally in about four points in this film, she is. Yeah, and I would say that another, another, again, this film reminds you of Star Wars. I think another character that just about does that is uh, the original trilogy's Princess Leia. Mm. There's a couple of times where she needs to be rescued, obviously in the first film, uh, yeah. a little bit with the gold bikini thing in Return of the Jedi, but also a lot of the time she's, she's a general. She's actually... Mm doing things in sort of semi-independently. She's in a leadership position. She's in le- and then when her and Han Solo get together at the end, that isn't him winning her over or anything. Like, it's it's super awkward when they get together. Well, he actually just goes, well, I guess I lost. Yeah. Literally, like, I lost to Luke. Yeah. You can go be with him. And she's like, nah, I'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's like those nice things were just missing from this film. Yeah. 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 Sarah, there's just so many memories that I'm struggling to think of when it, when it comes to this film. What What is something that stands out from you from this viewing in, in the afterglow of, of John Carter? I mean, all I can think of is how everyone, every character in this film was thirsting after him. Yeah. And yeah, I like found the- it so unlikely like the guy who um who was sent by the princess Gay to best rescue oh, James James Purefoy's character yeah, yeah yeah just quick take me hostage what take me hostage like that yeah. was great and that when was, she was, was like fun. oh take me yeah. prisoner oh yes please take me prisoner like yeah. no no she says that to um, she says that to the aliens she says that to Willem Dafoe <laughs> yeah but like she sees him and immediately goes oh yes please take me mm. yeah it I, I agree it did seem a bit weird um but also very on brand for that sort of film where it's yeah. it's, it's it's wish fulfillment stuff for meatheads essentially yeah it's, it's that kind of for just, 19th century meatheads yeah it's the, <laughs> yeah it's the kind of thing it's the kind of film that you know you if you don't want to be mentally taxed but you want to go to just have some big dumb fun i think that's maybe where this film was going but it kind of missed out on a lot of the big dumb fun yeah, and it also missed the mark on being smart as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think also part of it is that with such a dense source material, you're asking your audience to pick up a lot of the the language, you know. So, like, you have that explanation with the rocks and the sand about... No, no, Basum, Jasum. Yeah, that's, you know, Earth, Mars is Jasum and Basum. But then there's all this other stuff about, like, the religion and the cities, and then there's not just one bunch of Tharks, there's a whole and load of them that are knocking around that are all different. Yeah, because there's the other ones that go on attack. Yeah, and, um, and th- yeah, I think it's just, it was a lot to lay in what was a two-hour film. Mm. And I just could have done with just some bits being trimmed to make what was there better. Yeah, speaking of the um, the like the meathead tharks mm. as well, the ones that attack The obviously him. evil ones. Yeah, yeah, I loved how much they look like the um, grasshoppers from A Bug's Life. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, yeah. I was waiting for them to go, hopping. let's ride! Boom! <laughs> <laughs> start like motorbikes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Since we're talking about interesting choices, what about the cultural appropriation slash racism that was going on throughout this film? Uh, which ones? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, throughout this film. Yeah. Like, I, it's just so broad. And... Okay, so um, the, one of the ones that stood out for me is the fact that obviously he's just come from, like, 19th century America. And, and he so, can save everyone. And 
the fact that then you had essentially a replication of the civil war between the people from helium and the people from zendaya or whatever that one was called <laughs> <Dyer>. <laughs> um but then you also had the the native americans that were essentially the tharks the tharks mm. yeah like that or, or the the indigenous people caught yeah, up. yeah yeah that, that was essentially where edgar Burroughs went i'm so smart i'm just going to take what exists and put this new layer on it which yeah. which is what a lot of fantasy and science fiction does yeah yeah so, like you can't falter that for doing yeah well, you can't, can't fault for that for doing it and then look at district nine yeah exactly which is a you know a much better look yeah and race. like text text can uh, texts can do this and it works well but that that was kind of like the main one that i picked up on but i presume you have others sarah i mean well we were part way through the film we were discussing the look of sort of the the alien people whose names again i won't be able to tell you with the um again the, the tattoos oh, the human and, alien people. yeah the human alien yeah. people the red men yeah, yeah. which also men. is a name hmm. um yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time they said that i was like okay hmm. <laughs> and you know they're sort of more maori sort of mm. you know yeah you also said like they're um, like some of the armors also the, like, the elven armor. <laughs> yeah, elven from Lord of the Rings. And so that the, sort they're of sticking Indian, in New Zealand, aren't they, then? Yeah, very New Zealand. But again, some of the outfits, the Princess Jasmine, whatever, was in, very Indian. And then you had the quite Roman armor of, of the It guards. was like, which, which culture do we have? We just have every culture thrown together. Because yeah. mm, I said at one point, I always like things, alien things that are really quite alien, mm. always appeal to me even more. Not like, like in Star Trek, how all the aliens are literally just people with some stuff attached to their faces when the aliens have weird modes of transport that maybe make a bit more sense like when the tharks are all like they're obviously like a hive group yeah and so all the babies are just thrown together as eggs and whatnot Mm. i'm like oh i like that or like in avengers how all the aliens ride around on the back of a freaking space whale and they're motorbike looking things they lean with their shoulders not their hands Mm. these weird things that would just seem literally alien to us yeah i like those things and there's not that much with the men or the Mm. humans yeah yeah the tharks have it uh yeah the tharks have it but your but your your other human martians um or human barsoomians they 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 are essentially just guys yeah, <laughs> they're just some running guys on this kind running of around. Not yeah. steampunk, steampunk. Yeah, they're like, all I a bit it, tan. Yeah, I call it like space. I'll t- tell you what it was because mm. we discussed it during the film. It's very reminiscent of the Final Fantasy games, mm. uh, particularly something like Final Fantasy XII, which is very airship heavy and has stuff about like civil wars and weddings and princesses and all that kind of thing. It, and, and to be honest, I, I even said it while we were watching this. I would love to play the game of John Carter. Yes. Like if this was like a properly made like Japanese RPG style game, mm. that look would be really fun to play around with. But or even in, a Western hack and slash, yeah. which kind of goes spot to spot yeah. as well. But in a film, it just isn't enough Mm-mm. because because ultimately the story is just just that bit too, trying to do too much and well, ending up with too little. And I think that goes back to the serialized nature would work mm. as a TV show. Would yeah. definitely work as a... Um, as a uh, video game, but probably as a movie where you've got to shove so much into so little. I mean, they're also trying to do the 19th century mystery at the beginning and end as well. Like, you mm. know, let's quick, let's have a, really a murder like, mystery moment. I actually really like that. And I that think that's cute. why I enjoy the film so much because that was the last taste in my mouth. And I'm like, oh. Oh, if if the whole cute... film was this, yeah. that'd yeah. be cool. I, I mean, if it was all just yeah. the kid from Spy Kids yeah, being true. Edgar Rice Burroughs. Which really threw me, I'll yeah. be honest, where I was like, what, Edgar Rice Burroughs is appearing in his own <laughs> thing? This wow. is great. It's a great self-insert. Sa- I mean, yeah. everyone goes off about how, you know, fanfic and how terrible it is, but that's all these things are. Yeah. And you know what? That was a really 
really fun way. But I, I did find myself halfway through the film going, when are we going to go back to ERB? Because <laughs> yeah. I really, I really want to see him. <laughs> yeah, see what, see what he's doing. And then you just cut to him. He's just like leaning over a book so weirdly. Yeah, <laughs> a book which says, oh, by the way, my body's in danger. You should probably go check on that. I, maybe I should have put that first. <laughs> you started with that. Come on. Uh, um, mm. I enjoyed the fast dog, the fast alien dog. Oh, yeah, Speedy. Yeah, that was, you said it was very Pixar when it was yeah. coming up. And you were right. Yeah. It felt very Pixar-y, but in a, in a good also, way. Also, yeah. how to train your dragon kind of dragon. Um, yeah, yeah. In, especially around the mouth yeah. too. But like a dragon dog. You know? Yeah, the dra- yeah, yeah. The, and it just has one little ability which it can use whenever it needs to. Yeah. But then otherwise it's like, well, it's a dog, so it doesn't know when to do the right thing. Yeah. So. Kind of like how he can jump and sometimes he can bounce and sometimes he can't. Mm. Mm. Okay. I, I feel like we've been a, maybe a little bit mean on a film, which I, I, ultimately I think, I, I don't think they intended to make a bad film, mm. uh, but I do think they did make that. Uh, it's it's more just a case of um, what are some moments that you enjoyed, I suppose, from this film, Sarah? Was our anything... commentary. I loved our commentary uh, the, during the, the film. That the film we did, have we've Sarah. mystery science theatre, did have we? Yes. <laughs> no, cool. there, was there anything within the actual film that you enjoyed? I mean, I did enjoy the the mystery section, the you know Victorian kind mm. of oh, I'm going to find all the clues to yeah. figure out how he died, sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So everything that wasn't the alien part of the film I guess yeah. mm. another thing I quite liked just to answer the two um, I think I quite liked how menacing the like, the puppet master villains were yeah they, they really gave this feeling of puppet mastery how you'd just cut to shots and he wouldn't be there and it'd be just a guy in a random outfit and you're like oh because of how they've shown it and how that's set up it just it just seemed quite cool and interesting as well like, yeah yeah, it just twists everything enough to make I it, yeah. would want to watch a film where it's just following them throughout history, mm. destroying a planet. There's a, a three-part Doctor Who series from Peter Capaldi's last season where that basically happens, where they have the weird mummy guys who appear um they do like a three episode run oh yeah the ones the the one that starts with the virtual reality yeah yeah oh okay and I then think, it leads yeah. into that one and then they yeah 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 that's true because i was getting a bit of a vibe of them throughout this so if you would like to do that <laughs> yeah. watch then, some more doctor yeah who. watch some uh late moffat era doctor who because because yeah. they did it um for me what stuff with the tharks i quite enjoyed um and just seeing how their sort of culture worked. Um, I think it's just good world building. Yeah, that, 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 that was good okay world, building. world building that you just kind of want. Yeah, I so that that I quite enjoyed. Um, and I just, my favourite moment of the film, though, is when he wakes up one of the 12 times he gets captured and says... There's like four in a row at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. He just keeps being punched by Union but soldiers. Yeah, there's a part where, where John Carter wakes up and he goes, are we in helium? And a guard goes... No. <laughs> that was my absolute favourite moment. Was great. I love that. Yeah. But, uh, I guess it's it's a slight, I guess, racism that the walkie city people feel to the actual city people yeah. too. It's like it's like you being, you know, if we take the America thing, just going, you know, are we in like, you know, being in Montgomery, Alabama or somewhere yeah. like that and going, Are we in Washington? It's like, no, get lost. Yeah. No, I'm was... sworn on your podcast. I've sworn so many times on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think I might be the worst person for that. Yeah, it's why we have it's why we have a sensor button. Ah. so Sarah can say. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about John <laughs> yes, Carter? Please. please. Okay, this trivia uh, is gathered from IMDb, the Internet Movie Database. First bit of trivia: 
Whilst filming at Big Water in Utah, the crew accidentally discovered a 60-foot-long sauropod skeleton. Ooh. That's cool. The State's Land Management Bureau took over. So, at the very least, they found a cool dinosaur They found a skeleton. dinosaur, I'm yeah. here for that. Yeah. Yeah. See, maybe that's why I associate it with dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that fight at the beginning, from the, the poster, fight, yeah. it was actually a couple of blind mole Blind mole gorillas. The white apes, they call yeah. them. We had a King Kong moment. That's, that's the care of the talk with them. It's like, is it a baby white ape? Is it a human? Mm. What is John Carter? Speaking of... So much foreshadowing in this film, like heavy-handed oh, yeah. <laughs> foreshadowing. Like when they're like, oh, they've mentioned this arena thing a couple of times. I wonder where they're going now. Is it the arena? When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very heavy-handed. <laughs> uh, for a film with a lot of hands as well, that's maybe yeah, appropriate. Yeah. Double the amount of hands. Okay, so the reason this film is known as a flop is because financially this film was considered one of the largest box office losses in Disney history. Mm. Even though the film performed stronger than expected outside of the US, it contributed to Disney Studio Entertainment's division reporting an $84 million loss in the first quarter of 2012. Such a large loss was attributed to the marketing, management changes at the studio, and a lack of merchandising normally associated with such a large budget film. As a result, any plans for the two sequels that were in development prior to the film's release were scrapped. Okay, so merchandising. Does that mean we get like plush toys of like the white apes or like the dog creature? Because like, are they huggable? Like, come on, what what would they be? I mean, it is maybe a little hard to think of like stuff you could merchandise from this film. The dog. Yeah. That's, That's about kind of a, it. But yeah. mind you, everything gets almost merchandising is almost advertising in a lot of ways mm. for this kind of thing. But yeah, it. It lost a lot of money. It sure did. Yeah. Uh, the film also holds the record for the longest time in development hell. How long do you think the John Carter project was in development? I bet someone worked on it in 1916. <laughs> like, yeah. they were like, we, we should make it like uh, this, this young, hip Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, yeah. What, you reckon there's a, some Charlie Chaplin walking around going, as soon as we invent sound, we're going to... We, we're going to make this. Oh, well, hmm. probably, well, like, you know, A Voyage to the Moon. Yeah, that was. They could try and do like a John Carter thing with that and just shove some axolotls in the front of the camera to be aliens. (laughs) Well, I've got two guesses. Okay. Either 12 years Mm -hmm. or since the 60s. I'm going to give it to Jason uh, because (laughs) uh, 1931 was when pre production first started. So 79 years of development. Uh, Robert Clampett, who was the director of Looney Tunes, approached. Real oh, life. Oh, Bob Clampett. <laughs> yeah. Approached the real life Edgar Rice Burroughs to make an animated feature out of the first book. Had plans gone through, John Carter would have become America's first animated feature, beating out Walt Disney's Snow White by six years. Ooh. It didn't, though, and was left in development hell until January 2010, when official filming started in London. Imagine being someone attached to this first, you know, mm. in the 30s, going, oh, yeah, you know, this will happen within my lifetime. Yeah. Mm. That's generally what you think. I mean, obviously, it's not the exact same project, but I just think yeah. that's a really fun thing. It's like, <laughs> this film took 79 years to make, and boy, was it not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and these kind of films like turned out in like four months back mm. then, or barely anything. Yeah. Like, the entire thing would have been done so quickly. So for that. that to be in yeah, development hell for that long. Mm. <laughs> in the book, uh, Carter and the natives were nude. Oh. Hence the no shirt that Sarah was worried about. I mean, I was. There was a lot of you know interesting outfits that they were all wearing. Mm. I mean, there was all very skimpy clothing, which mm. you know. Which I think, and then that was to give it a kind of Roman 
feel as mm. well. Or at to least add that's... to the sexiness and the romance of it. Yeah. A Princess of Mars was originally published as Under the Moons of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs' uh, pseudonym, Norman Bean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know this story. I remember yeah. reading Tell this. Tell me. Um, it was in the all-story uh, six-pulp magazine issues from February to July 1912. Uh, Burroughs was originally afraid that he might be ridiculed for writing such a tale. <laughs> you were right. Uh, so he decided to use a pen name. The pseudonym was meant to be a pun. Normal Bean, as in I am a normal being. He's not great at puns. Is that why at the beginning of the film he kept going, beans, I want the beans? It could be. It might have been. Yeah. It probably is a reference to that. Yes. Uh, but the man who did the typeset for the text thought it was a mistake and changed it to Norman. It's like nobody's yeah, called so it was Yeah, so it was meant to be Normal Bean. Yeah. But it was meant to be the name of the... Um... He wants some Normal Beans. Yeah, no, as in this, this story was written by Normal Bean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, uh, I'm not an alien. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Man, sir, is my name. Definitely not an alien. Uh, fortunately for Burroughs, his fears turned out to be unfounded. The story and its sequels, collectively known as the Barsoom series, were almost as popular and arguably more influential than his most famous creation, Tarzan. Tarzan. And there was some very Tarzan-y aspects oh, yeah. to this. Yeah, well, I mean, it is the white person goes to another culture and saves it kind of thing, yeah. or becomes lord of it. Yeah. He becomes lord of literally... Get rid of the of the natives and then the other people. And he wrestled some monkeys. He wrestled yeah. some monkeys. No, he just yeah. smacked him around with a bit of rock on a chain. Yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe accepted the role of Tars Tarkas because he thought it was interesting for him to act whilst wearing pajamas and walking on stilts. Mm. I mean, that's my goal in life. <laughs> mm. Uh, Robert Zemeckis turned down the chance to direct this film, quipping that George Lucas has already pillaged all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is yes. entirely fair. <laughs> uh, Andrew Stanton often rejected marketing ideas from the studio, according to those who worked on the film, and used his own ideas instead. For example, he ignored criticism that using Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, a song recorded in 1974 in the original trailer, would make it seem less current to the contemporary younger audiences that the film was seeking. He also chose billboard imagery that failed to resonate with prospective audiences, did not include the name of the writer Edgar Rice Burroughs in advertising, left out most of the romantic subplot from the trailer that might have attracted female moviegoers, according to the person that wrote this and put a preview reel that did not get a strong reception from the convention audience i can see just you making those noises i can see marketing people caring about that yeah maybe not the actual women they think they're talking to i mean maybe i'm not the target demographic it's weird that it's it's classical literature made for in a in a very low common denominator Mm. as well like this, these stories are considered by a lot of people. Like you know, Lucas literally, you know, it's two steps away from Lucas, but also it's the same time as George Lucas. Like this influenced things like Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. which influenced Star Wars, and Star Wars was even influenced by this as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's weird that it's got such a place. And Dune as well. Mm-hmm. Like these kind of high classical sci-fi's are almost all have their links to Edgar Rice Burroughs in yeah. a way, but it's still dumb in a way like Mm. it's not high like lord of the rings was i mean but lord of the rings wasn't always considered highbrow it's not highbrow i mean like when it first came out everyone's like what is this crap it's just you know people with swords and magical rings who wants to read about that shit Mm. i mean Mm. that's a lot of classics are like that you go back to shakespeare shakespeare was for you know the Mm. 
the average Joe, you mm. know? It was a lot of these classic things we think now are so wonderful mm. were originally low art, low brow mm. for Joe Schmo. And it's only now looking back that we've sort of put our own lens on it and our own reading on it that make it sound so fancy and... Yeah. And upper class. Yeah. yeah, yeah 400 no, years on, right. you look back at something like Shakespeare and go, oh, that was classy. And then you realise that, you know, villain I have done thy mother. There's all sorts of <laughs> penis jokes and just rude things. Her sees, her use, her tees. With which <laughs> she takes makes her gracious peas. <laughs> look it up, kids. When John Favreau learnt that Andrew Stanton had picked up the film, he gave him a call congratulating him and requesting that he can play a Thark. So Favreau voices one of the Thark bookies who's taking bets. Oh, is he the one who gets punched? He's the one that gets, gets punched, punched. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Disney was sceptical about Andrew Stanton directing. He had never directed a live-action film before and wanted to make a film without any major stars whose name could guarantee an audience, at least on the opening weekend. The screenplay was also seen as confusing and difficult to follow, but Stanton, but Stanton had overcome similar uh, pre-production doubts for films like Finding Nemo and Wally, so they decided to just let him have a crack at it. I mean, I can see why they had some issues with the plot. Mm. I mean, there but was a lot of plot. There was a lot of plot, but it is literally like, it's only going to four spots, but it just takes so long and it feels like it really needs to explain why we're going there. Back and mm. forth, back and forth. You attack the wrong city. Slap. Let's go to the yeah. other city. <laughs> Which city are we in? I mean, the fact that he had to ask what the city was, the guard laughed. I didn't know what city we were in. It was a perfectly reasonable question. question. Yeah. The final bit of trivia is that studio executive Rich Ross resigned his position as Disney Studios leader weeks after Disney projected that they were going to lose $200 million on this project. Although Ross had become the head of the studio whilst the movie was already in development, he took the blame because he could have stopped the movie or limited its budget, but instead approved the $260 million budget that was requested. What a nice man. Well, mm. that's, that's a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, 260 is kind of what most films cost nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I guess probably Solo beats it now. Solo was 320, 330. It ballooned badly. But Solo was a great film. It was... It was a film. It was... It was a a better film than this. Yeah. It was a better film. It was a better film than this, certainly. But here's a question for you and for everybody who... And for people who've watched Waterworld now, you've done two flops. Yes. What's better? Oh, this. Oh, okay. This is undeniably, um, I think... Okay, you know, I, I, to each their own. To me, I think John Carter is fractionally better. I think mm. there is there is better filmmaking happening in Waterworld, yep. but I also think that Waterworld is a much more problematic film um, mm. than John Carter is. Um, I, you know, that's actually a tough question now that I've made yeah, a snap judgment. They're both... They're both very disappointing, to be perfectly honest. Um, you are doing flops. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I think I had more fun watching bits of Waterworld, but the highs in Waterworld were matched in terms of their height by the depths, depths of, the of, 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 of Waterworld. And of, um, no ocean on Mars, so it mm. wins. Yeah, that, that did help. Um, yeah. Whereas John Carter, yeah, where, instead of having the, high, having the highs and lows of Waterworld, John Carter was just kind of like a flat line of mediocrity. Yeah. So it was, yeah. <laughs> With some William Dafoe-shaped bumps yeah. every now and then of him on stilts. Yeah, and a little bit of Brian Cranston. Yeah, and Mark Strong. Yeah. Like is that good? Well, it's a good Well, yeah, great cast. I said that at yeah. the beginning. It's it's got this cast of really interesting people. And then it's still just like, okay, Kieran Hines doesn't get really anything to do. Yeah. Willem Dafoe gets some stuff to do. Um Mark Strong gets to be evil, but 
he that's, always gets to be evil. Yeah, he always gets to be evil. Like, yeah. we, we were saying there's only one film he's probably not been a villain in. Mm. Or acted like a villain at the very least, even if he was a good guy. Yeah. So, Ultimately, Sarah, what did you think of this film? It was a film. Look, okay, so I have a type of film which... Um, I class as aeroplane films. This is an aeroplane film. If you've got a couple of hours to kill, you're stuck in the air with nothing to do. You watch this film because, you know, at least you've done stuff. That's what I did. That's how I watched this film. (laughs) Is that how you first watched it? It was. And it was sandwiched between watching, I think I'd watched a really bad film to start with. I can't remember what. And then I'd watched Mad Max Fury Road, which is an amazing film. And Mm. then I watched this. And I think some of my positive feelings for Mad Max Fury Road leached into John Carter because I actually I still kind of like it. Would you recommend Mad Max Fury Road and John Carter as a double bill just just so that you can have better feelings towards John Carter? Yes. Do it second because that way you still feel really good about Mad Max yeah. Fury Road. Yeah, you have your dessert first and then you have to go for your greens. Yeah, you go for your greens. But you've still got a bit of cake. Your reds, actually. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um all right, let's score the film. Sarah, this was your first time watching John Carter. What are you going to give it out of 10? Three magical medallions out of 10. Fair. That was really dumb when he threw that medallion. Just, right? Just, <laughs> like, he, he was... Mm. He deserved to get <laughs> he deserved back. He yeah. what happened to him. Yeah, because mm. that was just, just a bad... That's obviously valuable. Right? Hold on to it just in case. Like, what if you want to nip back to Earth, grab some, you know, gold, bring yeah. it back? It just, you know. You know, what if they've got... I don't he know. He was distracted by the fact he could suddenly not really walk as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was literally like he was literally thrown metres away from where he was as soon as he came back. Yeah. And then, you know, he knew where it was for most of the film. It was on, you know, um, Thomas Hayden Church's evil Taurus Tarkas character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. no, it's just. But weird. yeah, no, it does. It doesn't make sense in a yeah, lot of ways. Like, but there's a lot of this film where you've got to really pay attention to know where the thread's going. Mm. It's it's there sometimes, I assume. Um, yeah, you're making some <laughs> like good the film, like the film, like it. All right, what score would you give it then, Jason? <laughs> I'm gonna give it five. Um, waking up after being beaten up out of ten, <laughs> which is less than the film has. Yeah. Yeah, look, this is not a good film, uh, but but it's also, I don't think it's an objectionable film. It just didn't work. Mm. Um, and, and ultimately, that can happen with all sorts of creative artwork. And, you know, there may be people there who genuinely love John Carter. There may be mm. people that went, you know what? I don't care what people said. I had a good time watching it. I'm just not one of those people. Uh, I had a perfectly adequate time watching it um it, 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 it re- i have no strong emotions one way or the other basically yeah tell my wife i said hello <laughs> have you seen that youtube video someone's mm. put that clip of the neutral alien from the neutral planet in mm. futurama and it's got equal amounts of upvotes as it does downvotes <gasps> on youtube oh that's brilliant yeah <laughs> excellent um well yeah for, for me i i really can't give this film more than three Nose out, <laughs> out of ten. You love that bit. I just, it, that was the film that that elevated it for me. To be honest, look, it's 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 not a good film, and obviously, people who are doing this is the double header with Waterworld, um, Godspeed, uh, but <laughs> but also, I, I think I done. I think I liked it just that little little bit more than Waterworld, um, because there was some there were some redeeming elements to this film, but ultimately, you can see why it flopped. 
Mm. You really can, particularly when you look at other things that were coming out around about seven years ago. You know, you've got... Um, this is the same year as The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Uh, you've got some of the Marvel films. Avengers was 2012, wasn't it? Was. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, you know, this isn't the same year as The Avengers. Yeah, I think this is, this is like the Justice League to Lord of the Rings being Avengers. Yeah. In a way, in terms of like, you can see where it's trying to go, but it really doesn't do it. Well, I seem to recall in 2012 seeing posters for it. And with then... dinosaurs. <laughs> with dinosaurs. With uh, with her and then deciding to go see any other film <laughs> so well the, andrew stanton did have control over the marketing so. <laughs> well, we know who to blame yeah and look I, I do think the marketing did maybe affect it um quite quite poorly as well but mm. ultimately yeah it just it just doesn't work yeah it and that's and it, you know it's a shame but at the same time it's it's interesting to look at it it it, it and see what it is that didn't work. Mm. I think there's there's a lot that can be learnt from this film. And a lot probably has. Yeah. Uh, I certainly, I don't think Disney's managed to quite make another flop like that, with the possible exception of Solo. Mm. Which was um, a good film. When we get to Solo... <laughs> I'll uh, be on it. Yeah, we'll... we'll, we'll... I mean, I'm, I've got to be on Rogue One. When, well, whenever we get to Rogue One, that's just going to be a fight between I you and win. Scott McArdle and Pat Downs, and just <laughs> a lot of people have strong opinions about Rogue One. <laughs> when we get to it, it's going to be a, a yeah. royal rumble. But at until... least this film only had two planets, as opposed to jumping around to six in the first four minutes. We're not starting a Rogue One fight now, guys. <laughs> Every time I come on, there's a Rogue One fight. <laughs> what we're going to do? This is our first time. My first time with you here. So, oh, is it? It is. Have we never done one together before? I don't think so. I don't think we have. So, therefore, your first Rogue One fight yes. has now occurred. Uh, <laughs> Jason and Doctor Sarah, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you, Stephen. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for joining us. This episode was picked by you, the audience. Thanks, guys, uh, for for voting. Honest, honestly, even though we have been looking at flops and maybe it's not been a brilliant film, we do enjoy uh, getting to see the films that you tell us to, to watch. How can you do that? Why, you can become a member of our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast and you can suggest the films that go into our public votes. Where do they take place? Why, they take place over at Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in Facebook and you can vote in our monthly polls. And, of course, we can be found on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other podcasting and podcatching services. So, you know, you can get an episode each and every week. That's all for this week, though. So, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. No. No. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.